Good morning, everyone. How you guys doing today? Made it through the rain. So good. It's worth it to be together. If you're joining us online, thanks for being with us today. Well, parents, the long-awaited day has upon us. Next week, City Kids will be reopened. Come on, parents. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, you got you to gotta take the buts. <laughs> you have to register your kids, all right? And it is only going to be at the 9 a.m. service. City Kids will only be open at the 9 a.m. service. Next week, you have to register your kids. And so I have, and I have another pastoral thoughts for you. I'm just bringing out these pastoral thoughts. You might be organizing stuff at your job, but don't come next week and try to organize stuff at church. Okay? City Kids, we're, we're, we're trying to figure some stuff out and everything, and if... If all of our team has to stop and take seven suggestions from you about how things are running, it'll slow the whole process down. Let me tell you about our team. They're not idiots. I don't hire idiots. Can I get an amen? All right? So they're going to be working on some stuff, figuring some stuff. They're going to see how it goes next week, and then they're going to adjust, and they're going to change. They're going to do some stuff. Week. But if every parent comes in and is like, I think we should do this, I think we should do this, I think we should do this, it'll slow the whole process down. Just follow the rules. You'll be okay. Amen. <laughs> you still love me? Doing a relationship series. I'm going to be talking about love today. It's just got to love me. All right. Our mission statement here at the City Church is moving people closer to Jesus. And this is something that we are all doing together. Uh, when we see this, this phrase that it's just a, a smaller version of the Great Commission, the Great Commission is all about moving people that are far from God, that don't have a relationship with God, into a relationship with Jesus. And then once we have a relationship with Jesus, all of us should be disciples, see ourselves as disciples. Jesus called us to be disciples, not just converts, not just Christians, to be a disciple. In other words, an apprentice of Jesus, that he is teaching us how to live. He's teaching us about a relationship with God. And this is something we're doing together as a family, and that's what a local church is. It's just a big family, a big family of God. And we're not supposed to be individual Christians off on our own. We're supposed to be in a family of God, a local family connected to other people. And so we're going to grow together. We're going to love together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to cry together. And this is just something that God has called us. God has called us to gather as a family. And so I, I mentioned every week that I have something with this series called the All Together Challenge. We have been so disconnected from each other these last many, many months. And I, I just encouraged you, someone that you haven't seen for a while because we haven't been gathering or maybe you haven't been in person or you're still watching online, please reach out to somebody in church, someone that you haven't seen, see how they're doing, send them an email, a text message, a DM, any way that you can connect with them and get together with them, find out how they're doing, uh, continue your journey of faith together. So just that's a challenge. Please take that challenge to see how somebody is doing. See, we all have this longing for relationships, something that we see in Adam from the very beginning, that the Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, us created in his image. So before all of creation, there was love in the Trinity. 
And so that was Adam's desire was to be in relationship. It is your desire to be in relationship. As I've said every week, even if you are the most introverted person out there, you still want to be with people. We have this longing. We have this desire. This is the way God has created us. And this is the way, uh, the pathway for us to grow and to be strong and to not be alone. And when we're going through stuff, we don't go through stuff by ourselves. We've never actually done anything successfully alone. Even if we accomplish something as an individual, somewhere along the line, you were in relationship with somebody else that they were your teacher, that they helped you in some sort of way for you to be able to accomplish something else. We're not supposed to be going through life alone. And like I said, we have to take that risk. Sometimes it's hard in friendships. can be difficult. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But you have to take that plunge. You have to take that risk. And, and as I've been saying, you might think, you know what, Pastor Ron, i got enough friends. I know you're using a bunch of scriptures, and I can see this is the plan and purpose for the church. But I don't need any more friends. You know, my, my list is full, my schedule is full, but as I've been saying also, maybe somebody needs you. Think beyond just yourself that you can actually be a friend to somebody else. So our foundation, our relationship with God, this is what we have as believers. We have a relationship with God moves us into relationship with each other. We have this vertical part of our relationship as, as we just did. We reminded ourselves about how amazing God is and how good God is. And isn't that amazing to do? It's so fun to be able to gather and to worship God. But then the call for us is just to move beyond just that vertical part and all of the things that God does in us and through us should come out in the context of relationships. So we have fellowship with God, the scripture says, and then we have fellowship with one another. And fellowship, this word just means sharing in common. And as believers, there is potential there to have, for us to have a really good foundation of friendships because our lives are going in the same direction. We are followers of Jesus. So we have an intention to follow after God, his ways, to live according to the, the plan and purpose of God from the scripture, to do family a certain way, to not look to culture for the way to do things, but to look to God and to move in that direction. So the relationships that we can have can be very strong. For the first week, we talked about getting in the friend zone in the best possible sense of that word, that we as friends and the friends that we're looking for, we're going to be consistent and competent and have a, a candor within our conversations that we can counsel each other and care for each other. That was week one. The message is available online. And then also we talked about week two being better together, that there's a reciprocity in our relationships, that we can spur each other on. And then also we can be unified in heart. We can pray for each other. And we need to pray for each other. We need friends that will pray for us. Amen. And then last week we talked about this idea that it is special within the family of God, that God is in our midst. Wherever two or three are gathered, there he is in the middle. And so we, we would all be in awe of God. And this is what brings us together. Again, in the culture, in the world, there is a constant push for division, polarization, to get into a fight with everybody about everything. The family of God is the complete opposite. The family of God is all about being united. 
It's all about coming together, that the gospel brings people together. So we in the church shouldn't fall for all of the things that are happening in the world. We can see, we should be able to see what God wants for us, and he wants us to bring together, and then we're going to be brought together in relationships. So the title of today's message is, There's Love Required. So for us to be in a relationship with each other, there has to be love there. And we have to do the hard work, everybody say hard work, of loving each other. Because if, if someone has never told you, it's hard work to love you. Can I get an amen? And it's really hard work to love me. If you're married, it's really hard work to love your spouse. Now, if you're elbowing right now, the one doing the elbowing, it's hard work to love you too. Ladies, it's hard work to love a husband. Husbands, ladies, I'm not letting you off the hook. It's hard work to love you. And we have to do the hard work of loving each other. It is the only way that you can be in relationship with somebody for more than five minutes is if you insert love into that relationship. There is love required. So what is love? No scientific answer for this word. What does the science tell us? There's no scientific answer for the word love. There's a scriptural thing to talk about as it relates to love. And, and love isn't just a feeling that we get. It isn't just the, the butterflies of that early romantic relationship. You know, sometimes we mistake um, lust for love, and that's all I'll say because there's kids in the room. But we're just going to, that sometimes just gets exchanged. Those, those feelings, those butterflies, that initial re- attraction, we think, oh, that is love. And I would say that is not love. There's a chemical, biological thing happening there in the moment of those things. But love is so much deeper, it's so much richer, and it's actually so much more difficult. Because it is a long-term thing. Again, because we want to have long-term marriages. We want to have long-term friendships. We don't want to be tossing people aside, and we don't want people to toss us aside. And so for us to do that, we have to know what love is. So it's not just a sweet feeling that there is there's a presence. We've been talking about in this hearing. You have to be present with people. There's, there's a faithfulness aspect to love. In other words, if my feelings for you are, are really high or my feelings for you are really low, I'm not looking at those feelings for my commitment to you as, as my spouse or as friends. Because at some point, you're going to have bad feelings about everybody you know. Because it's, there's hard work to love humans, right? Do you, is there other humans that you're hanging out with that are easier than the humans I'm hanging out with? No, it's hard work to love people. So we're going to be present, and we're going to be faithful, and we're going to celebrate with each other. We're going to cry, as we've been talking about. Love is about challenging each other, inspiring each other, being honest with each other, having empathy for one another. Having a recognition 
shared humanity. And then again, we're focusing on relationships within the body of Christ, the recognition of our shared life in Christ. It's a special thing. It's a gift to us. There's grace in love, and there's forgiveness in love. And all of what I said there has nothing to do with how you feel. Those are all decisions. Those are all choices that you're going to make. In a moment when you don't actually feel something. So we are going to accomplish the mission of the church through love. Like I said, our mission statement, moving people closer to Jesus, doing the Great Commission. How are we going to do that? John chapter 13, and I promise as your pastor to read these verses to you a couple times a year to remind us what's very important. I'm actually going to finish up with these same verses today. It is this, by this... All people will know that you are my disciples, Jesus says, if you have love for one another. Now, if you're in the room today and you're not a follower of Jesus, and if you're watching online, online today, you're not a follower of Jesus, we're glad you're here to listen to this message. But this is actually for the church. This is for the followers of Jesus. By this, this what? This love we love each other, people will know, Jesus said, that we are his disciples if you and I love each other. But what about miracles, Pastor Brett? I'm all for miracles. We should trust God for miracles. But that's not what Jesus said was the thing that we would be known as his followers for. His miracles, no, he said love. That choice, doing the hard work of loving each other. That Jesus wants us to be famous for loving each other. Why? Because we, we need to love the world, right? The people that are far from God, we want them to have a relationship with God. But we have to start with loving each other. We can't pretend to, to love the world or to love people that are far from God if we don't actually care for each other. We don't love each other. We opt in and we opt out of relationships based on how I'm feeling in that moment. Jesus said, hey, you know what discipleship looks like? Loving other followers of mine. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, famous words on love. What is love? Verse 4, love is Aren't you glad that it didn't say love is a feeling? Some days you'll make me feel good. Some days you won't. But love is love is patient. See, all of these are characteristics of God. The things that love is characteristics of God. It's not it has to do with feelings. It has to do with, are we going to decide to align our character to the character of God and then actually live that out within the family of God? Love is patient. Anyone struggle with patience? You know, you guys just, just 
just go along with me today, all right? I know it's raining. Anyone struggle with patience? Now, two-thirds of the females that I used to live with, and that sounds weird, two daughters and a wife, just for clarification, two-thirds of the females that used to live in our, my house have now vacated the premises. So I have a full quotient of patience for Nicole. <laughs> and she has a full quotient of patience for me. And there's a, a lot, I mean, the dogs are, they're on my last patient nerve. But, you know, for just, just one human to be patient with is just so much easier. So maybe there's a practice there. Maybe there's, God is giving us practice as emptiness. is like, okay, this is so much easier now. So many less people to deal with. But love is patient. Two less people to wait for at the door when we're going somewhere. But love is patient and kind. Now again, what we're reading here, this is written to the church. This is written to the church for the church. And with the word kind, it actually comes from the word kin. In other words, family. So we're going to treat people as family who aren't actually our family. That's what kindness is. And kindness only based on God's word is the only kindness that matters. It's the true kindness. Because kindness, this is one of my favorite soapboxes, but kindness based on the political party that you love is not enough. Because you don't actually want to be kind to the other side that disagrees with you. But kindness based on God, God says we're going to, what are we going to do? The family of God, we're going to treat everybody like the family of God. We're going to be kind to people. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Love doesn't have coercion in it. Love doesn't insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. We talked about this earlier in this series, bearing each other's burdens. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Feelings didn't make the list. How I feel about you. How you're making me feel. These are all decisions. These are all the, the things that love is. Character and nature of God. The things that love isn't. The character and nature of the enemy. And God is the opposite of that. So these are things for us to do. And where where are we going to do all of those things? We're not going to do all of those things in the worship service while we're raising our hands. Where are we going to do those things? Like in real life. Like in the homes we live in, in the friendships that we have. All of what I just read has 100% to do with relationships with other humans. So we got to do the hard work of that. And again, so poetic, we say it. At weddings, we recite it. So easy to say, so hard to do. 
got to do the hard work of loving each other. So what are the impediments to us loving each other? What is, what is the struggle for us? It is our collective humanity. The, the struggle for us when it comes to loving each other is our collective humanity. James chapter 1, verse 19 says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let everybody be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Does anybody struggle with those three phrases? Let me say them again. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I speak for a living. If you need me to talk, I will talk. We can talk about stuff. We can talk about stuff I don't even care about, because I will talk. But the scripture says, quick to hear. <laughs> I, gotta listen. I have to listen to what my wife is saying. This is, I'm just telling you, and she knows this is a struggle for me. Sometimes the sports news is on at the same time she's talking. So I'm hearing this, trying to hear the score and then what she's saying and to comprehend it. We have to be quick to listen. It's just so much easier to talk, right? Because if we're talking, we don't have to listen. We can say our thing. Let every person be quick to hear, two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as we speak. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There is one of the impediments for us as it relates to living a life of love. What is it? Simple terms, just angry. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And our world is full of the anger of men. Full of it. The anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So that should be important for us to know in the context of our friendships. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not going to feel anger or sense anger rising up in us. Because we're all going to get angry. Even the quiet people, you're going to get angry too, and you're just going to be passive-aggressive about it. You're just going to throw out one of those statements and walk away, and we're like, what was that? Just dropped a bomb and walked away. Anger. Are we aware <laughs> when that anger is rising up in us? See, all of what we're reading, again, these are letters to Christians for us to be in good and healthy relationship with each other. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So what is the illustration here? We bite and devour. Now, this is, is this actually talking about we're physically with our teeth? No, it means we're like gnashing at each other with our words. Angry words damage relationships. 
you bite and you devour one another. Forget about the world right now. Us, followers of Jesus, claiming the name of Christ. If we bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed. See, we don't want to be consumed by anger and hate. What we want to be is demonstrators of love, the thing that Jesus wants us to be famous for. But I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for those who are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things that you want to do, that in your heart we're wanting to do good things, but then our flesh has a reaction. Does your flesh react sometimes in anger? Right? We're going to react instead of having a thoughtful response. Because when we feel that thing rising up, we have to remember that the anger of men does not produce the righteousness of God. And what we want to do is respond in love. Now, when I'm saying respond in love, it doesn't mean that you can't have convictions or there's no standards or you become a doormat. It's not, I'm not saying any of those things. But you can disagree with somebody with kindness and with patient words. But it takes some effort. Because if you have a habit of anger, if you just have a habit of flying off the handle, your flesh will go to that every time. But if we bite and devour each other, man, we're just going to be consumed. So walking in the Spirit is walking in love. One of the aspects of walking by the Spirit of God, being full of the Spirit of God, is going to be manifest in our relationships. We're not going to bite and devour each other, but we're going to be patient and kind and all the other things that I just read. So one of the things that, again, the, the thing that we struggle with, one of the impediments to us walking in love is our tongue. Some people's biggest problem is right under their nose. It's their tongue, my tongue, the things that we say can get us in trouble. James chapter 3 verse 5 says this, So also a tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness, a tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. These are some strong words right here. Has all to do with us talking to other people. Is anyone, again, we're just going to go along with it today, all right? Has anyone ever set a fire with your tongue? Come on, people. Yes, we have. Set a fire with our words. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things... Ought not so to be. 
So in other words, rather be like, oh, God, I love you so much. You're amazing. And ah, to everybody that you're in relationship with. It's, it's not with. It's, it's supposed to be a mix. You get it? A relationship with God is supposed to show up down here. And it can't be just, you know, you and me, God. It's amazing my time with you. But your family, I can't stand them. We can't be loving God and cursing people. Does the spring, verse 11, does the spring pour for from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So the fresh water is love. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast to be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. See, we, we give access to the enemy in our lives by how we are doing relationships. And it shouldn't be this way. We should be wise to not do it. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Making peace with our words, speaking sweet words. See, everybody you know and every friend that you have and the spouse that you're married to, they will fail with their words, and so will you, and so will I. We're going to fail in this area. And what is the potential of this? And it's like we get to set a fire. We get to set a fire in our lives with the words that we say. And so what is... I feel like I painted a negative picture, but I have some good news for us this morning. What is the solution to all of this, and how can we actually maintain relationships with people, friendships, working relationships? How can we stay married? The awareness to know that we all have the potential for these negative things and to know that we are going to be in relationship. With, with humans that struggle with the same things that we struggle. It's good knowledge to have. But then God actually has a solution for us. See, we did communion. We had communion together as a church family last week. And a great reminder about our relationship with God is this beautiful thing called forgiveness. See, our, our, the culture that we live in right now has an echo of Christianity that it's dealing with. And, and what I mean by that is there's, there's standards being created sometimes from nothing based on just somebody's idea and culture. And then this is my new standard. And this is how you ought to be and this is how you ought to act. And if you break that rule, you get canceled, all these different things happen to you. So the struggle with the culture that has an echo of Christianity or an echo of standards, what it's missing 
is forgiveness. And forgiveness is a really important part of Christianity. Forgiveness is a really important part of knowing that God actually has standards. God created standards that we've all broken. And what does God offer us for the areas that we fail? What does God offer us? God offers us forgiveness. So this is the solution for all of our shortcomings all the difficulties in our relationships and all the, the fiery words that we've said and all the fiery words that we've listened to. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Again, this is written to the church. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. So here is the standard for us. Apostle Paul writing inspired by the Holy Spirit. How are we supposed to be in relationship with people? That we forgive others like Christ has forgiven us. How many think that's a pretty high standard? That's the ultimate standard. But again, written to the church. We're going to put away all these other things. So we can be in a relationship. We're going to be kind and we're going to be tenderhearted. And then what do we need in the mix? Forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. Even while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for the ungodly. Even when you were sinning and involved with sin, pushing God away, God still did something for you, and then he offers to us forgiveness. Peter asked Jesus one time in Matthew chapter 8, he said, Jesus, okay, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Jesus said to him, 70 times seven. And the point is not 490 times. The point is we forgive. Because this is how we live. This is the only way to live in relationship with people. It's forgiveness. See, and sometimes we we hold back on forgiveness because we think, you know, if I forgive, if I let that thing go, I'm kind of saying... That what they did didn't matter. And it did matter. It hurt. See, there's an inequity created in relationships when something goes wrong. And Jesus uses the words as it relates to sin that there's a debt created. Something happens negative in relationship. It's like you owe me something because of this, those words that you said to me, how you made me feel, you owe me something. And here's what I know by experience. Even if somebody comes and says, I'm sorry, sometimes the I'm sorry doesn't actually fix it. 
because the I'm sorry doesn't go back in time and undo the feelings that you felt. But what does, what it, what is going to fix it? The same forgiveness that God gives to us is the same forgiveness that he wants us to live by. And it is actually the only way to live. Otherwise, you will never get free of all of the debts people owe you. Because there's always things people are going to say to you. There's been things, hurtful things said, hurtful things done. And I don't mean to be negative about your future, but there's going to be stuff happen in the future too. And if you're going to hold on to all of that, you're going to weigh yourself down. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. See, forgiveness actually has nothing to do with the other person. What they do or don't do after the fact. Because also from experience, sometimes they're not coming to say, I'm sorry. And sometimes, in very sad situations, the people that hurt you are dead. And I don't mean that to be harsh. They're not coming back to say, I'm sorry. So what do we do with all of that? What is the example of relationships, successful relationships that God gives to us? He forgives us. Forgive as Christ has forgiven us. So the debt is real. It's a real pain. It's a real struggle. But me forgiving is that decision to say that I'm not going to let that pain, that past, that thing define my future. I'm not going to tether my life to that pain in my past. Jesus do for us. Cancel the debt. First Corinthians 13 again. Love takes no account of the suffered wrong. We can't have lists in our mind or a physical one about how everybody has done us wrong and we will just live in bondage to our past. And so the freedom for our future it's obviously receiving the forgiveness that God gives. But then how, how are we going to live in relationships with our brothers and sisters who fail with their words sometimes, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing? I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let it go. See, forgiveness, it's unmerited. The forgiveness that we get from God, we don't actually deserve it. But God gives it to us based on what Jesus has done. The forgiveness that you give to people that have hurt you. They don't deserve it. There's a debt. And like I said, a lot of times that I'm sorry piece that you're looking for doesn't even make up the difference anyway. forgiveness that God gives is the forgiveness 
that he wants us to live by. Read it one more time as we finish. John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love in us. That you have poured out your spirit on the inside of us. You have poured out your love into us. So that we could know and experience that love. But God, you want us to bring that love into our relationships. So we just pray for everybody in the room today. God, we pray that you use us to love our families, to love our friends. God, we pray that you help us to listen more than we speak. God, we pray that you help us to put a watch on our tongue. And God, we pray that you help us to forgive the way you forgive so that we can be set free from our past. And we can let that debt go because you've canceled our debt. And so we pray your strength and your grace for the debts that we have to cancel. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are here in the room today or you are watching us online, what I've talked about there is the way we have a relationship with God that Scripture says that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God actually wants to be in a relationship with each individual. And so how do we enter in that relationship? Do we pretend like that we're perfectly moral because we aren't? Do we create some sort of religion, some sort of path up the mountain and offer that to God? No, the scripture tells us the only way to have a relationship with God is to receive the free gift of salvation. He just offers us a relationship with himself. It's called righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. So because of what Jesus has done, God offers that right standing to us. All we have to do is say yes. So if you've never taken that first step today, I'm going to pray a prayer. I invite you to pray this prayer out loud with me today. And again, this prayer is just a first step in just a lifetime of discipleship, of following Jesus. So if you're in the room, watching online, let's pray this out loud together. Church, let's bow our head and close our eyes. And let's pray this out loud, helping people around us. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. That he died on a cross. You raised him from the dead so I could know you. So I say yes to that relationship today. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's congratulations.
congratulate those people that did that today. Awesome. If that is you today, you've never said yes to Jesus before, there's some materials that we would love to put into your hand that will help you on your journey of faith. This is just a one-moment thing, but again, it's a lifetime of discipleship that Jesus has called us to. So we have those materials at the info desk in the lobby. Just head out there in the lobby and ask them, and they will give you those materials. If you are watching us online, if you would send us an email at info at the citychurch.ca, we will be happy to send you those same materials. All right, church, well, we have um, First Wednesday coming up this week. And remember, First Wednesday, we are doing a food drive just in time for Thanksgiving so we can bless some people in our city during Thanksgiving. So this Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m., we're going to be doing a drive-by food drive. So you can just drive by the front of the church, and our team will be out there to take the groceries out of your trunk and then feed as many people as we can this Thanksgiving season. Can I get an amen? Amen. And don't forget about the All Together Challenge. Reach out to somebody, get together with somebody. And parents, remember, next week, if you are bringing your kids to the 9 a.m. service only, you have to register on Wednesday. And you're going to follow all of the rules next next week and be kind to all of our team members, right? Amen. Thanks for coming to church today. We'll see you next Sunday.